Welcome to the business behind small business. <laughs> All right. So um, apologies right now for uh, those who are seeing this video on YouTube. Uh, Tiffany and I are still working on getting uh, the right look and the right feel and the right sound and hey, all the right it. hair. All of it. So all of the things. Uh, so uh, forgive us if you have just begun watching us on YouTube because we're we're trying, man. We really are. And just like uh, any small business, we are learning from our mistakes. So in saying that, uh, if your business has started hiring employees or even contractors, you probably know how important an employee manual can be. Even if your business is just you and only you, a procedures manual is also just as important. Writing a manual is much like creating a recipe. It's consistently being updated. It needs to be perfect because after all, it's how to recreate your business with the heart you've given it. Today, we're going to discuss employee manuals and SOPs, which are standards of procedures. What are they? Why are they so important? And where do you begin? But before we begin, please note our disclaimer. This is available in both our show notes and on our website and should be referred to before and or after this podcast. So I'll take it away, okay. Tiffany. <laughs> I'm going to try and step a little bit further. I'm going to try and step a little further away because I feel like what I see is I see my pores. So I need... <laughs> <laughs> I really do have the face for radio, so I am just going to step back, back a little back away. while you talk. <laughs> All right, let's talk standard operating procedures. Um, first, two two bits about this, right, is that this is the, uh, this is certainly one of the, like, the very unsexy part about business that nobody likes um, until, until they realize its usefulness, and then people are all over it. Once you realize what mm -hmm. this can do for you and what it can do for your business and how much time it'll free you up and you as the business owner, you will love, love, love doing this. But hey, you know, I was right there with you when I first started, hated doing this, didn't want to do it, thought it was a complete like, you know, waste of my time until your business gets to a point where you can't ignore it. And then you have to do it. And then once you start reaping the rewards of it, you're like completely obsessed with it, right? So I get a little bit geeked out now when I talk about process, standard process, processes, procedures. <laughs> I love a good looking SOP, you know, you know, process, uh, policy procedure manual. I do because it's just like that one, one stop shop that people can reference and I'll hopefully get the same thing out of it and do the things the same way. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about SOPs, um, I mean, simply all it means is that it's some kind of written set of procedures or instructions. It's step-by-step -step instructions. It could be policies, anything like usually written that is there to help kind of guide employees on doing things that are like technical or really repetitive in nature. Because the whole point is you want them to be consistent. You want to have a consistent outcome and result. And that's where SOPs come in. Now, I, I don't know. I guess I never called my SOPs SOPs. I really like the word playbook. Uh, not that mm -hmm. I'm not even that sporty of a person, so I don't even know why I like the word playbook, but I like the word playbook. It sounds a lot more fun. 
No, I like the word playbook because like for me, uh, the kind of culture that I've created in my company is a team culture where we're, we are a team and we act as a team. And I'd like to think that the most successful companies act like a team. And so playbook makes sense. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, let's call it a playbook. And the whole point is, the idea is that you never have to repeat yourself, right? So when I was kind of growing out of being like a one-person shop and then hiring employees, getting managers and stuff like that, you, what you do is, you know, if you're good at laying down your process, you'll find yourself repeating yourself all the time, trying to explain what mm -hmm. this process is and how to do it. And the problem with that is, is that you may be consistent, but sometimes the other person hears something different or they forget or it's, they wrote it down a different way than what you actually meant. And so writing like a, a set of these instructions and procedures in a playbook really just helps alleviate all that confusion. And it saves time on your end because you're not repeating yourself all the time. And ultimately, I think one of the things that I love, love, loved about doing this is you start seeing how much actually lowers your training cost. You're mm -hmm. not... Again, you're not spending time and wasting time on this confusion and like this kind of fog of how to do things. People have something they can literally go to and look up the answers themselves if they don't. Absolutely. And it's also great mm -hmm. for them because it gives them time to actually spend learning how to do it themselves. And people need that space and time. Um, they mm -hmm. need that space and time to look and reference and then kind of work it through their minds and really learn and absorb what they need to do on their, on mm -hmm. their own like um, initiative. So as an owner, I started seeing the fact that, you know, I could start managing the business from afar. Um, and the great thing is, is kind of like what you were saying, Savannah, this is kind of a living document, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like you, you chisel this in rock and you never change it again. This is no, kind no. of a living I've... document. So at mm -hmm. first it's a, it's a, it's a ever evolving document because maybe it's a new process and you're trying mm -hmm. it for the first time. So there's a lot of trial and errors. You have to make updates and changes as you go along. And then eventually you start changing it because your company's evolving. So as a company, mm -hmm. as you reach different levels and stages of your company, then your process and procedures will also change to kind of keep up with that evolution. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be the, and sometimes it can be the source of your evolution. I feel like, uh, at least when I was writing mine, I started to identify weaknesses in my company and I, it forced me to change things, um, because I had started writing things down. So it can also be a source of evolving. Yeah. And in, if you, which I'll go down in a minute about what you can actually put in this document, if you're a visual person, like I was a visual person, you know, I started creating visual workflows, right? And so when you build a culture where your staff really understands the importance of these processes and you hire people who have a natural inclination to actually follow processes, then if something doesn't work out the way you don't want it to work out, you can immediately look back at the process and kind of pinpoint, okay, what part of this process do I need to change? And that makes things so much easier than this kind of convoluted, abstract idea of how something should be working. And then you have a million variables because everybody's doing it a slightly different way. So that being said, let's go through a little bit about what SOPs are, um, how to actually create them, what's in them. So mm -hmm. a lot of these ideas I did get from a website called beekeeper.com. Yeah, you heard me right. Beekeeper, like the bees, bees. Dot io, not dot com, sorry. Dot Does io. that make us the clean bees? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so they, they had a great document. We kind of laid this out. A lot of points I also agree with. So uh, we'll, I'll make sure that we put the link in the show notes below. So that way you can also reference and they get credit for some of these ideas. Um, and a couple of stuff I kind of weaved in myself. So one, first and foremost, like I said, 
it doesn't have to be fancy, right? Like you can add the flurries and the colors and all that fun stuff later. All it needs to start with is a word doc, right? It can start with words and you can build upon that, but it doesn't have to be this monumentous like presentation that you have to create. Then at the very basic, every document needs to of course have a title because hey, people need to know how to look it up. <laughs> it should have some kind of yeah. intro to it. Personally, like in my intros, I like to put in there why this SOP is important to kind of give the reader a little bit of context of where this particular um, SOP kind of fits in and maybe the greater scheme of things. Um, then you want to, of course, include the scope. So, you know, what exactly does this SOP cover? Um, also, who's involved? Like who's who? Like what roles and responsibilities maybe that are part of this SOP? Um, always good to have a glossary or some kind of definitions page, especially if you're doing something super technical. And then you can also include maybe a step-by-step -step process or maybe even a checklist. So maybe it's like, a, you know, here's a checklist of things you want to go ahead and go through just to make sure you've, you know, hit all the hit all of the step-by-step -step, like instructions. And those are always pretty useful uh, for, for especially somebody who's new to the process to learn. Then um, you want to make sure you're identifying your audience in a sense that like, <laughs> like, for example, when I was writing my SOPs, I was also hiring a lot of um, employees who have only one or two years of work experience, one or two years mm. of maybe even bookkeeping experience. So because they're a little more entry level, when I made my SOPs, I made sure that it was speaking to their level, made sure I you know, went out of the way to extra define certain things that I know that somebody of one or two year experience wouldn't really know. And so that way you want to make sure your SOPs is also speaking the right language at the right level to the people you intend to read it. Then, of course, you want to break down your process logically, right? That this is not a work of fiction, people. <laughs> this needs to be something <laughs> that people can logically follow step by step. So it has, you know, sequential or even uh, chronological, whichever way, but have some way that you're actually breaking down the process logically. Naturally, also be clear and concise because nobody wants to read a book, man. Like nobody does. Right. Uh, this right. is not that interesting. It's one of those things of like, let me reference this, get to the point. Mm -hmm. Let me get my work done. So yep. be clear, be concise. Um, so one of the things that beekeeper.io uh, had mentioned was to survey your employees before you actually put together this SOP. Um, I think that's really up to you. Personally, I didn't survey my employees, but I did solicit feedback once it's actually put in place because it mm -hmm. is helpful for the people who are actually using this to tell you what works, what doesn't work, what's clear, mm -hmm. what needs to be refined or what needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. So I would say feedback is pretty important. Now, this other, this other part is, uh, <laughs> I kind of laugh at it a little bit because it is really dorky, but I think it's actually needed because at some point, you're not going to be all, the only one writing these SOPs. Um, so ideally, if you do it well and you set up a good process, you'll have your managers or other people on your team actually writing these SOPs for you, especially for new processes you build. So I actually created an SOP for my SOPs. That makes sense. <laughs> Ah, that's why we're friends. I have yeah. a process for my processes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a document that actually wrote out how we go about writing SOPs. I mean, pretty detailed level too, because just the one thing is, and I found that was really helpful is whatever you do with your SOPs, just like your process, you want to be consistent in how you lay it out. Because look, Nobody wants to go reference something and then have to spend like five minutes just figuring out the layout and format of what the heck they were looking at and where to look. If your SOPs are all following the same format, it is a lot quicker for somebody to reference what's there without having to, you know, 
look at the table of content and then realize that, oh, what is in section like Appendix A in another SOP is actually in the, you know, first part of this SOP, right? Like, don't, don't, don't make it difficult. Don't make it hard. Mm -hmm. So yes, I had an SOP for my SOP. Ah, so uh, what, I, and then the other thing is what I was alluding to earlier is use visuals, use illustrations, if that's your jam, right? Like I use flowcharts because that's my jam. I'm a visual learner. I just like to see things in order to really understand them. Um, you can do that too. But of course, don't, don't get too fancy because if it's getting your way and you now feel like you're, you know, creating some kind of like project for school and the pictures are actually in the way of your words and what's important, don't, don't get too fancy. But, you know, do stuff that is actually useful, that's actually user-friendly, especially when you're trying to explain something very complicated in your SOP. Mm -hmm. Visuals are really important. Yep. All right. And then the other thing is, is about actually rolling this out, right? So I think this is where people get hung up because they create this, this magnificent document in their minds that is also like 50 pages long. And guess what? Nobody wants to use it. <laughs> nobody wants to read it. Nobody wants to use it. Nobody can find anything. And I guess what happens is they don't use it. So now you're back to square one, which makes no sense. So the whole point is you got to think about what you're doing when you're doing this is making it so easy and so convenient that people can use it all the time. So do things like put it in a place where people can find it. <laughs> That helps a lot. Um, ideally, uh, yeah. Somewhere, yeah, ideally somewhere on the cloud, maybe even a printed copy if you would like, if people are a little bit more like, you know, textual learners, whatever. Mm -hmm. But having something on the cloud, of course, is really easy to reference. Then, of course, write it in a very easy manner to digest and then keep it updated and keep it relevant. And that's the thing too, right? This is not a, let me write it once and then I'm never going to like update it again. And now it's gathering mm -hmm. dust in the corner. This is something mm -hmm. that has to keep updated so that, so that like, so that, um, so, so that your users will actually want to use this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you're done with the core stuff, then you can get a little fancy and maybe interweave some of your brand in there. Right. So in <laughs> other words, like if you're supposed to be a kind of very casual, very hip, very cool company, Right. I would say that the words you use in your SOP should kind of reflect that. Don't use corporate boring words in there and then expect that, you know, people wouldn't look at this going, oh, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. So you can certainly do some of that in there. And then I want to say that one of the re reason people resist SOPs is um, and you know, of course, we can argue whether or not this is true. It, I think a lot of people think that if they have SOPs, they're going to turn their people into robots. Robots that don't know how to do anything except read what's on the paper and just follow it step by step. And that 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 actually isn't going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't think I agree with that. I think people feel like it's a lot more constraining than it is. But this mm -hmm. only happens if you, your approach to reinforcing your SOP and your culture like is to basically you want to control how your employees think and mm -hmm. not to name any names, but I'm sure we all know some business owners who are a little bit of a control freak like that, right? A little micromanaging. Very much so. I'm sure we have clients who are like that, right? And that's where you kind of Very get into this so. whole idea of the fact that, you know, you only want your employees to do exactly what you say. And that, that has mm -hmm. more to do with your culture than your SOP. 
a good mm-hmm. SOP is actually seen by your employees as something that's really helpful to them. And they actually mm-hmm. want to reference it because it makes their job easier. It helps get them onboarded faster so that they can actually start providing value to the company as quickly as possible rather than having like some panic-induced <laughs> panic-induced <laughs> attack the first week they're on a job because they're wondering if they're doing anything right because they weren't given anything to follow and whether or not they're going to lose their job yep. in a week or two. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I think it's great all around. And I will step off my soapbox. <laughs> so I feel like this all kind of references uh, retention and culture. Uh, you know, the SOP is so much more than just written instructions. It's, it's again, it, it goes back to what I said before. It's like the recipe to what makes your company the the company like Acme company or XYZ company that that's what this is but also it has to at least showcase your heart in it and you know like when you look in a recipe book it'll have like a note or tip or something like that on something that you could do or some ways that you could change it that's essentially what this uh, manual or these processes are even though they are written out, like after step one, you do step two, after step two, you do step three, even though it's written that way, there are, there are movable parts too. There are parts of it where the person has, I guess, free will, if you will. So that's you know, true. Free will is a good, good word for that though. It's not, yeah. it's not your, you know, it's not your grandfather's like, you know, days of SOPs. It's not like filing cabinets with racks of mm-hmm. binders of paper and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's not like, it doesn't have to be like that. It's certainly not like that anymore today. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely not. So uh, I know some of what I'm going to say is going to overlap what Tiffany said, but um, oh, well, I'll sorry. Say it anyway, anyway so. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, so typically an SOP is going to have a title page. Uh, and if the standards of procedure manual is long, a table of contents to include page numbers is helpful. Uh, Oftentimes there will be more than one person writing the SOP. So you'll want to have the names of the persons or if it's a division of people uh, who create and approve the document, include that as well. If your company has departments, you may either want to uh, divide your standards of procedure manual according to the departments or write separate ones for each department. Uh, include preparatory information, like what the purpose of the SOP is, uh, what the scope of it is, and of course, what the rules and the responsibilities of the people who are carrying out the processes outlined and the manual, if there are any safety guidance that must be complied with or anything that aligns with OSHA, you're going to want to include that as well. If you have procedures or processes that are complex It may help to break them down into steps with detailed information included. Visuals such as graphs, diagrams, workflows. Uh, I like to use Loom, uh, a screen recorder, and you can, that can help people understand it so much better. If necessary, you may want to include references in a glossary to highlight any additional sources or further explanations discussed in previous sections. So, you got that out of the way. Where are you going to begin? There's really no cut and dry way to draw up a procedures manual. I think Tiffany made that clear. Sometimes your manual will be a collaboration of multiple types of formats. You may want to step back and consider your company as a whole and start creating a list, especially if you have a large complex or or multi-level company. You want to start writing lists of 
what are the most ideal things that you want to get started with? This is, this is one way you'll likely not forget any processes or instructions. Uh, a checklist can also be good as part of a process, especially if that particular process is short with very few decisions to be included. For example, if you have a procedure that is done every month in the same manner, and maybe it takes five steps or less to do, a checklist could work instead of a process. So maybe the process you have has a hierarchy of responsibilities. For example, it may start with a ground level person and it has to work itself up to a supervisor before the process is complete. An organization chart could be helpful for a complex procedure. Uh, if the process is less about hierarchy of responsibility and maybe more about a hierarchy of steps, you may want to draw the process out with the steps in place to better understand where decision points are made, where critical decisions happen within the process and descriptions of the procedures are written out step by step. So these, these are some, there are some processes that make more sense when they are visualized. Uh, putting these processes into a flow chart will help to show how certain processes are related to one another, conditional logic, and then what the flow is of the entire process as a whole. Whatever style you choose, just make sure that you are consistent. The last thing you want to do is create a highly complex standard of procedure that is so complex, no one understands it. <laughs> you got to keep the style consistent, even if you're using different formats, and do your best to say the most with the least amount of words. As I mentioned earlier, this is a recipe, and I know I just keep saying it, but it's true. Just like how you read a recipe, especially online, you don't want to read the 14 paragraphs about how the person traveled to Tibet and while talking to a monk. And by the way, did you know the monk shared a name with their favorite pet when they were five years old? Blah, blah, blah. No, you scroll all the way straight to the recipe, right? That's I, I, very true. Totally. Like, I swear someone could confess to murders in a recipe blog and, like, never get caught because no one ever reads the drivel that's at the top of the page before the recipe. I think that's a very good... Uh, a very good uh, plot for a book. Mm. Anyway, um, keep your details short and to the point. The meaning should be inferred from the descriptions. So it helps to map out your processes, either through a chart, a diagram, or a short video. Words are often better understood when there is something visual associated with them. Once you've mapped out the processes, test them out work out the kinks, and then test again. You want to ensure you've not only left no room for error, but no room for questions either. So we've said this before, your SOP is a living document. It will likely evolve just as your business does. Revise your SOP every six to 12 months to ensure your employees have the most up-to-date and relevant information on how to do their jobs. It may help you to create a template and then use the same template for every process. Whatever it is that works best for you and your company, make sure to follow the same process for your processes. And before you know it, the entire SOP or recipe of what makes your business yours will be complete. So we've talked about the what and the why and the how. So now let's talk about the when. When do you think? a business should start writing their SOP? So I think that, 
Um, I don't know if you, I, don't, I think I kind of know what your answer is going to be, but I think that it's when you, you start working with other people. So I think that as a one person shop, especially if you're new, you're still figuring things out. I would assume that your SOP, even if you have one is probably going 50 different directions anyways. I think that it's better when you have somebody that you're working with. So, I mean, regardless if you're hiring an employee or you're hiring 1099, whatever, like somebody you're working with. That's maybe part of the company servicing your customers or something like that. I think that's when you need to start kind of laying down the words, what your process is. Right. And it may not be mm -hmm. something you enforce, or maybe it's not something that you even show them yet because you only have one person, but for you, for you as the business owner, like it is for me, it helps me think through things. So I'm just not spewing out like request instructions that conflict each other and probably just, mm -hmm. you know, frustrates the heck out of the people I'm working with. Mm -hmm. It makes you kind of organize your thoughts of how you want to do this. And it makes you identify areas that, I don't know, maybe isn't that clear and isn't that pretty. Mm -hmm. And you're finding yourself, it's hard for you to figure out the words of how to put this on paper, which means you probably overcomplicated it, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. think that's probably the earliest. I think anything earlier that I, I think you may just like, you know, spend a little too much time trying to figure out how to, how to, how to write it down while you're trying to figure out the business. <laughs> Yeah, so I will say the earliest is then. I mean, and certainly I would not go beyond like two or three employees and then start doing this. I think you should start a little bit earlier and just know that you're going to refine it. Right. And you're going to keep changing uh -huh. it over time. You? So um, I feel like, yes, you should probably start when you hire. But I also kind of feel like it would be that but best. Is coming. For yeah, but <laughs> it's not a very big but a very small butt. Mm. Um, but I do think that it is important to start thinking about it, at least in your third or fourth year of business, because mm. even if, if, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that don't ever hire, you know, they're uh, consultants, for example, sure. um, you know, they, you could be in business for 10 years, but let's say now you've decided that you want to sell your company. How would you go about articulating how to run your company if somebody wants to buy it as is and wants to basically take over what you're doing? Or what if you want somebody to like, you want to just have hire one person, but it's going to take you hours and days and weeks to, uh, get them to understand how to be you. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like if you've been in business at this point now, three to four years, you have a good sense of what your business does. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I don't mean that in a funny way. I, I really truly mean it when a lot of businesses start their first year, they're still unclear or unsure of what exactly mm -hmm. it is they do. Yeah. They think they're confident, but they're, it's like you're in your 20s, but you got to wait until you're in your 40s to truly write it out. It's the same. It's the no. same way with, Guys, with a business. Not literally. not literally. Yeah. No, not literally. I mean, like in your 20s, you think you know who you are, but it's not until your 40s when you're like, oh, my God, I was an idiot back then. So it's kind of the same with your business. When you first start your company, you're like, oh, gosh, in the first two years, you realize, oh, you know, I'm really offering these things, not the thing that I thought I was offering when I first started my business. Yeah. I think it's kind of that maturity. So, um, I think, yeah, it's I, a good mile marker for when mm -hmm. you should start thinking about it. Yeah. You bring up a good point because you're right. There are a lot of companies like, you know, I can completely see people doing like uh, e-commerce companies and online companies where mm -hmm. they, they can be by themselves all the time, but doesn't mean that they don't have mm -hmm. processes that they follow over and over again. Um, yeah. Do you do or it, or it could be a husband and wife team. 
Yeah. It could be a husband and wife team. And to be honest, if it's a husband and wife team and something happens to the marriage and then the business now is on the chopping block, you're going to need that SOP anyway. So I like the time factor. I think you're right. I I think if you've been in business for three or four years, then like three or four years Mm -hmm. is a good kind of trigger of, yeah, now it's really time to get this down on paper and get it stored away and actually written somewhere and update it regularly because you've been in business long enough Mm -hmm. that you probably have some, hopefully you have some kind of structure already set up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Of of course I'm right. I'm I'm not just all looks. (laughs) Fine. I'll take your butt this time. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. So um, we are now going to dive into the raw truth. So the the raw truth is a new segment where we will each share our own gritty experience with today's topic. We want you, the listeners, to know that success isn't easy, it's not pretty, and it's certainly not a straight line. We hope you will hear our cautionary tales and learn from them. Dun, dun, dun. All right, you first. Okay, I I got three points to my truth that I've learned over time. First thing is, this takes time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like writing all the stuff up, like, oh my gosh, it is the most brain draining, like the first run through of it, right? Because you're starting from scratch. It takes so much freaking time. Like it just takes time. So mm-hmm. do what you need to do. Be a writer, go lock yourself in a room somewhere, get a hotel room. I don't care what you do. Just pretend you're a writer, like a fiction writer, a novelist or something, go somewhere creative and, you know, just, just like get it done. Right. But it does take yep. time. So don't, like don't don't like you know disillusion yourself that it's not (laughs) Uh Uh it will now the other thing i learned uh is uh through my whole hiring adventure as a business owner there's nothing more exciting and more adventurous (laughs) so you start hiring people and you realize a lot of what you think is completely wrong Mm. i think i honestly believe this because i think i used to be somebody like this too is some people are just not built to follow instructions and SOPs. Mm-hmm. Like you can have the best mm-hmm. SOPs written for them and by nature, they just don't reference it and they don't mm-hmm. do it. Now I used to be kind of like this, uh, mostly out of probably ego and laziness, right? But I, 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 I think that it is just not built into their DNA or something and it's too structured. It's too rigid. They're probably more of more of a creative type. I don't know what it is, but I just think it's not, it's not built into them. And I think you, you got to be careful that when you're building a company and you are big on your SOPs, you got to do your best to try to get people on board with that. And just be careful of who you're hiring because some people just aren't, you know, made it. It's like, it's like some people are made to work from home. Let's just be honest. You're not made to work from home. You cannot ignore your laundry. You can't ignore your dishes. You can't ignore the TV. Like you're just not made for working from home. And that's where they pick up their butt and they go into the office. Some people don't like to reference SOPs. Hey, guess what? Yes. I disagree with you. <laughs> oh, there's that butt again. I don't know. All right. Hold on. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. So I, I will say that I was a little late to, to the party with writing my SOP. Sure. Uh, I, I started writing mine seven years in business, uh, but mostly because I was up to my ears with kids and kid duties. Okay. So sue me uh, for the two, for two and a half years, I had bitten off a whole lot more than I could chew. Uh, and my company suffered because of it. So after I dropped all of the things that were not serving me, I realized I should have put that kind of effort into my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, I started by asking myself, 
what do I do? And drew up draft after draft. I tell you right now, as we air <laughs> the final draft of that SOP, literally five years later. Yeah, five years later. <laughs> um, and this draft is this this draft is what will be updated moving forward. So it took me five years to finally come up with a, a procedures manual that I felt comfortable with. Sure. Um, and, you know, it, it even though it took me a very long time to write and complete, it, it probably won't take you that long. But I will say the reason it took me so long to write is because I was also having a little bit of an identity crisis. And when I finally realized what my company truly does in its core, I simplified my SOP and all of the things fell into place. Right. Now, now the place in which I disagree with you is that I wrote my SOP with the words of my manager back in the day, Eileen, ringing in my ears. She okay. always said that if a monkey could do it, so can you. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So everything that I would write, I would hand to my children and I would ask them, does this make sense to you? Or, and then if they said yes, I would then hand it to my husband, who is an entirely different industry than I am. Sure. And I would say, does this make sense to you? If it didn't make sense to them, then there was something I did that didn't, that I needed to fix. I needed to fix okay. it somehow. So then when I had it completely written out the way that I wanted to, I broke it up. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have departments, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got bookkeepers and accountants, you know, all the financial people. And then I've got the HR payroll people. And then I've got the admins, the strategists and the um, integrationists, you know, all three of them do different things. And so I broke it up into a Google Drive, into a folder. And then even in the folder, the SOP got broken up into how to's and templates so that it was a quick and easy reach to whatever it is that they needed. Now, on top of that, I also have a um, I, I use Notion, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic platform, and I also have it broken out there. So you can just quickly do a quick search to mm-hmm. find what your how to is. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little bit more complex. So I used Loom to create a video how to on, on whatever yeah, that for sure. it is. Right. But also in my hiring process, when I, when I place, when I hire someone, the video that they get, their welcome video has these things broken out a little bit. And mm-hmm. we have four stages in our hiring. Mm-hmm. So in order for a person to understand your SOP, I think it really starts from the hiring stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we break it out. It's all broken out. It's in the drive. It's in the uh, notion. It's emailed to them. Sure. It's, it's in, in all different kinds of places that are easy for them to access. Um, and then from the beginning, we start training them based off of the processes, based off of the manual. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, the first call we do goes uh, through the manual and in, in some certain stage. And then the second call we do with them is another pr- part of the processes stage. So that's kind of how it is that we do it. And it helps with them understanding it a little bit better sure. and to, to not 
have to come back to me with questions about how do I do this. So, so. your your disagreement is that everybody is into the SOPs? I think everybody can get into an SOP if yeah. you set that standard from the very beginning, from the hiring stage. Okay. Okay. Um, I see what you mean. So yeah. I don't disagree with you there. Um, and I think that that is absolutely true is you do weave it into your culture as soon as possible. So if you can mm-hmm. do it during onboarding, which of course is the best place to do it. And hopefully your onboarding also has an SOP that goes with it. Yeah. But I was standing to say that absolutely there are still people who you will try your hardest and they themselves, mm-hmm. are, I'm not saying they're not capable. I'm just saying they're not mm-hmm. willing. Oh yeah, true. They will not hire hire somebody. They will not follow that checklist. They will not use the checklist. They will not review something that's easily in front of them. And I think that's what I'm saying is try as you might, you are still gonna get those people who just are not willing to. Just like, sure, you can work from home. Everybody can work from home, you know, but can you will yourself? Yeah, right. But can you will yourself to ignore the dishes, the distractions and whatnot? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying is I feel like that is kind of the ugly truth at the end of the day is that you will get people sometimes getting into your, your business that you hired who just for whatever reason won't do it. Right. Even though they're making yeah. mistakes, even though they're skipping steps and you're like, you do realize that this is literally right in front of you. Right. <laughs> right. So I guess what I'm saying is maybe like when I had done all this and put everything in place, you know, I really was very optimistic and thinking that having all this will really minimize any kind of um, hiring fails from that respect. Mm-hmm. And I guess my ugly, my raw truth is it won't. There are some people that you can help as much as you can, but if they don't want to do it, hey, they just don't want to do it. Well, yeah. And, and in my opinion, once a person starts to become a tumor, you got to cut them out. That's right. No room for the B students, people. Cut them A students out. only. <laughs> only. A students only. First seats only. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so in in each episode we like to connect a famous example to our discussion to help you relate to our talking points on a more global or well-recognized scale sometimes we use exact examples of either famous or successful business owners of today or in history and sometimes we use examples of people who inspire us and have inspired today's discussion yeah i found nothing so who who (laughs) you got you got what I found, you nobody. I found nobody. What? I could not find a smart reference here at all. Hey, I'm just bidding. I just couldn't. I'm sure you found a wonderful historical reference, as you always do. And I found nothing. Well, I guess nothing that I haven't already used before, right? I mean, the only thing that really came to mind was, of course, Toyota, because, you know, they were kind of the main, like, you know, they're known for that kind of stuff. Oh, for but- sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I found I didn't find any crazy great stories to relate to. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. I got not one, but two. Fine, you can have my gold star then. Yep. Yep. I'll take it. So um, you know, you don't need to have a lot of money to have a beautiful SOP, but it does help, especially um when I talk about the two SOPs that I've seen that are so well done and so well executed, they're basically coffee table level quality. Okay. So the first I'll mention is Facebook. This book is so simple. So to the point, it's an incredible read and truly you wouldn't realize you're reading an SOP until you're halfway through it. So we're going to link the show notes so you can see it for yourself. It's really stunning. Anyway, um, Netflix, 
also has a very slick SOP, but it's not in book form. It's in presentation form. It's also very to the point and it's very well executed. This will also be linked below. Uh, throughout the slideshow, though, one thing becomes very clear. Netflix puts a very heavy emphasis on high performance as well as freedom. So there's that whole free will that I was talking about. These are key characteristics of a successful workplace. Uh, I almost, I saw the Facebook one and I was like, can I buy this? Like, no. in a bookstore? it is so pretty. <laughs> okay. But, well, again, back to what we were saying, you can get there. People at that level, get the base level first, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know what? I, I don't think that anybody really needs to do that. I mean, Facebook does because extra. they are, a, they are, well, they're extra. That's, but also, yeah, that's completely extra. Oh, for sure. However, it also stands by their brand, right? Yeah. Because they are a visual social company. All I mean, Meta is a visual and social company. Uh, so one would expect their SOP to not be, and this goes back to what you were saying, how like if you have a, a very cool, hip culture, you don't want your SOP to sound like a, an 85-year-old attorney wrote it. <laughs> You know, so you you want it to sound and look like the company culture you are conveying or the company brand that you're conveying. So that's why when you see the Facebook one, you kind of expect it to look like that. No one says that yours has to look like that. But, you know, if you're a branding company, if you're a marketing company or you're in public relations or anything like that, you kind of want the SOP to match the voice yeah. of your brand. It does make an impression on your employees and your employee culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, but like, like you were saying, it just, uh, uh Facebook's on a different level. Uh, Facebook's also yeah. a lot more zeros in their bank accounts, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, even at the start. So before you go off getting SOP envy there, just, you know, make sure you're matching apples to apples. Yours can be mm -hmm. just, yours can be good for whatever your company. Yes. It doesn't have to be Facebook level. Mm-hmm. So um, in saying that, uh, I will also say that um, with the SOP, you do want to make sure that it's understandable. So maybe like every quarter, mm -hmm. if you do, if you do, or if you do, whenever it is that you do your, your company meetings, if you do company meetings, and if you don't do company meetings, maybe try to do them every six months or every quarter or once a year or ho however often it is. I personally do mine in August because generally speaking, August is our slowest month. Uh, that's when I have the most time uh, to spend on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is it? Is there anything here that we don't understand? Is there anything here? That's, that's usually when we do our review of it. Yeah. So, so that's something that we didn't mention earlier that when it comes to writing your SOP or even sharing the SOP or any processes, it's probably best to do it during your, if your company has a uh, is seasonal <laughs> or has an ebb and a flow. I mean, obviously that's a good point. No don't change the process <laughs> up in the middle yeah. of a really busy season. Uh, you will not be for sure. That <laughs> for sure. And, but also it speaks to when you're like, oh, I never have time. Well, you probably have a slow season. Every industry has some level of a slow season, if you will. So that's that's probably like put a marker as to that's when you're going to do it. And if you're, if you're honestly that busy, which, hey, good for you. If your company is that busy all year round, all 12 months, it means that you are doing well. And mm -hmm. if you're doing well, then take the money, invest it. And there, there are people who can do this for you. Mm -hmm. They come in, interview everybody, watch over your yeah. process, write it up for you. Um, 
you don't have to be the one that puts pen to paper on this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. not. No. Um, I, I mean, that's something that we do for our clients. We write processes down for them, yeah. um, which, I mean, if we do it, then obviously there's other companies out there that do it as well, but absolutely. we write processes down when, com- when clients don't have a process written down because it serves the both of us. Right. It's it, it, And that's the other thing is, that should be noted is that if there's ever a point in time in which, which we have had clients who have said, we no longer want to have this in-house, we want to contract it out. Um, but then they don't have anything written down for us to know how we're supposed to do it. So then we have to create the process for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But that's another reason why why you may want to um, write this, that, write these things down is that if you decide, if you do have uh, and employees, or you do have things that are in-house and now you want to hire a third party, or you want somebody outside of your company to offer it, you want to be able to tell them how to do it. Because if you can't, then it's just going to take them twice as long to figure out how to do it because they're having to figure it out from scratch. Yeah. And that costs, that costs time, effort, money, money. So with each episode, we like to share either books tools, apps, platforms, or anything we think is a next step or and connector to our discussion. So if you like our subject matter and you want to learn more, you'll have a great place to start. So I think there are a lot of uh, fans of SOPs out there these days, people who have mm-hmm. built platforms basically to make it easier for all of us to actually write, store SOPs and have users use the SOPs. So mm-hmm. I haven't used these two companies before. I've just kind of looked over it. Yeah, they're definitely... Um, they do really well with their SEO because they certainly turned up on the first page of Google. Um, but I, I mean, of course, like, you know, I, I did look into it and they are, they are kind of, they are kind of cool, right? Like they, they do have made something that is seemingly boring to something that is actually maybe useful and kind of fun to use. So, uh, beekeeper.io of course is where, you know, I was referencing a lot of the information from, um, this is what they do, right? This is their platform. This is what they do. Um, the other one is, uh, Trainials. Hmm. It's a combination of the word training and manual. So it took me a little while to figure that one out. Um, (laughs) It is, but they also make, um, theirs is kind of interesting because they not only uh, have a platform for it, but they also have like these tiny little hardware devices that can actually Hmm. be attached to something, right? So their their advertisement, which really worked because I kept seeing it all the time and I'm like, oh, okay, training. So when I was doing this, I was like, oh, that's right, I saw that. But the whole idea is like, they'll have people who are like maybe in construction or maybe you're a cleaning company and these Hmm. little like devices can attach to maybe like your uh, something in your purse or your keychain or something. And it's like mm-hmm. immediate access all the time to all of your tra- training manuals. So that's it's just, really cool. Yeah. It's just kind of a cool feature, but you know, like we said, this is not your, you know, this is not your grandfather's recipe book anymore. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many ways to make this interesting, make it useful, make it easy uh, for everybody that's involved. So definitely, definitely check those out. I'm sure there's a few more out there that you can also see. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So I have some apps and tools to to share to help you get started. And they're mostly ones that I use. Uh, I think Lucidchart is great is a great tool for creating workflows. Uh, you can either choose from their templates or build one from scratch. I also really like Loom to create videos for processes. I really wish I got kickbacks, but alas, I do not. But it's not going to deter me from also recommending. Oh my gosh, you're going to mention it, aren't you? Process Street. <laughs> I love them. 
I Seriously. love them so much. Big fan, apparently. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> oh, they're so awesome. It um, will be the day I'm, when they decide to sponsor an episode and we're like, we've made it. God, is it possible to be a fangirl of a process platform? I say yes. Um, you can insert you can insert conditional logic. You can share it. I love utilizing Zapier with it. Mm. Um, I've got this great um, process where uh, a Zap will pull from my Gmail and then create a process street uh, list. It's so cool. Or when a client signs on, it's part of our onboarding checklist. I mean, I could go on and on, but I love process street. I will say that I also really like notion. Hmm. Um, I have been on a search or a hunt, if you will, for, um, well, something that was like Notion. And then I realized Notion had all of the things that I wanted in it. And it was so simple. Every, literally every other platform I used was either way too simple or way too complicated. Yeah. Uh, what I really like about Notion is that um, I, I pay for myself and my internal staff to have spaces. Uh, and all I wanted was for my uh, team to just be guests so that they have the opportunity to find the SOP in the broken out ways with the videos and links and all of those things in one place to, but not have to pay for all like 18 people. Right. And so notion allows you to add guests uh, for free, which is nice so that they all get an opportunity to view it. But then just me and my two other internals, um, I pay for us because we're the ones that are actually using notion. Mm -hmm. So it's a great place for things to live. And, um, any, at any time, anyone on staff has a question, all they have to do is go on notion and they can find it. I do also have an intranet that I created with Google, um, Google sites, and it's just a static page that has everything on it. Plus everything is on Google drive. Right. Plus it's all broken out. Plus yeah. everybody gets an attachment. Like, don't tell me you don't have it. You got it. You're just not looking. Open so you created basically your internal, your own internal knowledge base for your employees. For sure. So, for sure. And, and that's the other thing is that with notion, I also have an FAQ uh, based on the questions I got asked all the time of, of certain things. So that FAQ is great. And the glossary, because my bookkeepers, like all, the bookkeepers, the accountants, the controllers, they all speak a different language than the admin do. And, and the HR speak a different language. than So there's a glossary so that when we're all talking or when we're collaborating, because collaborations happen a lot between the admin and the bookkeeper or between the HR and an accountant. Um, you know, there are certain words that get used that vernacular needs to be understood. So it gave me an opportunity to put a glossary on there too. So, hey, Notion, Process Street, I am right here. I am here. <laughs> Watch I'm your just waving flag. Somebody, somebody respond. I'm here. Anyway, um, please join us for our next episode. We will be discussing what to expect when running a business, pulling in 10K. 100K, 1 million, and 10 million of top line revenue. How do you build it? And what do you do to prepare for it once you get it? 
please show us your support by following us on your preferred podcast platform, social media, and hey, YouTube. We love, we love for you to also share our episodes. All of our links will be posted below. And until next time, mind the business behind your business because all great success starts small. Ha, <laughs>